I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have a very special guest here to talk to us about music and using it to promote your books and doing other cool things with it. Welcome to the show, Morgan Quaid, who is the author of Whiplash, a YA fantasy novel, and he works on graphic novels and, like I said, music, and and, and we'll get into it. Hi, Morgan. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Whiplash just to get started? Give us a feel for uh, what you write? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I, I tend to write... Uh, epic fantasy, but uh, I lack the patience for very slow, <laughs> detailed world building. So they tend to be very fast paced, um, full of action, lots of twists and turns um, with a very sort of expansive fantasy world behind the, the scenes, if that makes sense. So no long three paragraphs about how the crystal glints in the sunlight. Just It's just action and fantasy. It's awesome. Yes. I, I mean, I love that style and I love reading that, that sort of longer uh, style of fantasy, but I, I find I get the, the thing I hate most as a writer is trying to narrate how a character gets from one end of a forest to, to the other, or, you know, what I mean, I just, it seems like wasted time to me to be talking about, oh, I was walking along and I found a rock and I stubbed my toe. And, <laughs> you know, I just want to get them to the thing so that they can face the, you know, the demon or the whatever's there that's, yeah, so it tends to be very, very fast paced. So if Morgan had written The Lord of the Rings, it would only be one book. Yes, well, see, and this is the criticism <laughs> that I typically get, uh, not from my publisher. My publisher loves it because it means shorter books, more books, you know, more often. But the, the criticism I usually get from readers is it was great, but but it's too short. You need more. We need, you know, so it's, yeah, because, I, I, I again, I'm fairly, fairly impatient as a, a writer uh, and a reader. And who is your publisher? Because we are not very familiar with publishing in Australia, which, spoiler alert, in case the accent didn't tip you off, that's where Morgan is. <laughs> yes, I am definitely Australian. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's actually a, a British uh, or a UK publisher called Marcosia. So they're, they're a small press publisher. I actually uh, joined with them because of comics and graphic novels. So I've got a couple mm. of graphic novels. Uh, there's actually a, a small... I call it a graphic novella because it's not really a novel sort of size, uh, called The Script Rebellion, which is in the same universe as Whiplash, but it's um, a little bit more fanciful and, you know, a lot more steampunk elements and those sorts of things. Um, so that was released initially through them. And then I said, well, do you do novels as well? And they said, yes, we do. And I said, well, have I got the novels for you? And, you know, <laughs> sort of went, went from there. But, yeah, they're, they're UK-based. Nice. Okay. So can we get your books here in the States? You can get my books literally anywhere. You can be in Scandinavia or you know, <laughs> locked in the stairwell, underneath the stairwell in your aunt's house or whatever. Yeah, you can get it anywhere. Uh, Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, ev everywhere pretty much. There's an e version as well as the print copy. It's a fairly diminutive book, I must say. Well, I've, I've finally got my, my print copies myself and I was surprised at how small they were. You know, you expect this magnanimous thing is this giant sort of book and it was like a really small book um, <laughs> but I suppose that's you know it's, it's 90,000 words or so so it's a, it's a normal size for a smallish sort of novel. So but that doesn't sound like a tiny book. 
Well, it's not tiny. No, yeah, it's it's, it's average, but you know, you get this. I'm used to if I buy a fantasy book, it's this big, thick thing, um, <laughs> and then I, it arrives in the post, and I thought, oh, this looks really good, and there was three of them in one one package, and I thought, oh, that's right, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> not all one massive book, but. I don't know. We'll see how we go. Maybe in the future I'll release a, a version with font type that's, you know, miles too big and illustrations and things. <laughs> well, I was thinking do an edition that was like a fancy edition where you have the graphic novel and the book together in like a one-two deal. Mm. I like that idea. Well, okay. So, well, interestingly enough, it's not out yet, but in, uh, in January I think I'm releasing – another one in the series, which is called Rust Chronicles Volume 1. And it, it is a series of short stories and artwork and music all related to this this same sort of universe, which is a kind of dream world that impinges on the, the, the waking world or the real world and has sort of, you know, gods and demons and nightmarish sort of creatures. So that book actually does kind of do that. It has art and um, and stories together. But, yeah, I'd love to do more. And special editions with, I don't know, felt felt cover, not felt. Um, uh, what's a nice fabric you, you put on, on the front of the book? Some sort <laughs> leather of nice bound, maybe? Leather, leather or <laughs> or something that a dog could ruin. You know, that's that would be great. <laughs> well, okay, so this is actually a good transition. I'm always on the lookout for the transition. Uh, you mentioned music in here and mm-hmm. having, like, music and story together. So... Most authors I know are not also composing music. Tell me about that. Well, okay, so music, uh, so writing was my first love, absolutely, and I've been doing that longer than I've been uh, making music, uh, but music was close behind. started when I was very, very young uh, learning classical guitar for about four years when I was uh, nine or eight or something like that. I, I learned very little and practised even less uh, when I was younger. <laughs> sort of dropped the instrument for a while and then picked it up again when I was in my teens and then just fell in love and practised an insane amount and then, you know, began to get interested in music and more generally and bands and those sorts of things. A couple of failed bands, college-type <laughs> bands that with one of, one of the names for my first band was Spatula City. Um, <laughs> probably tells you everything you need to know about what we were about. How have we uh, not heard of this band? <laughs> I would wear that T-shirt. Know, we had a very limited run. Uh, we weren't we weren't around for long, and we um we cleared out the the uh, refectory hall where everyone was gathered uh, on our first gig. They all just left and went outside. We, we took as a compliment. You know, we were just too loud. But yeah, so from there, I got into music, and then a, a few well, not a few years ago, actually, ten years ago now. I started exploring different ways to sort of make an income out of music, which is quite hard these days unless you're, you know, a Bieber or someone like that, which I most definitely am not. So I started working with other producers and working with uh, loop labels, which is essentially you produce a pack of music that other producers use. So I might be a guitarist, but I'm not a a, a drummer. So I'll pick up a, a pack of loops from drums and I'll use that in my production as though I were hiring a session drummer, that sort of thing. So I started working with that, had a little bit of success there, and then it just sort of kept building and building. And then eventually it got to the point where, because I'm not sure if, if your listeners are aware of this, but comic comic books and graphic novels are hugely expensive to produce if you're not the artist yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it can be anywhere from uh, $70, paid, uh, $70 to $250 a page for a 
you know, a 22 issue. So we're talking thousands of dollars just for one issue of a comic. So that's a lot of, a lot of money and a lot of investment. Is that to hire the illustrator? Yeah, well, that's to pay uh, an, an illustrator. And oftentimes you would play a penciler first. They just do it with pencils. Mm. Then you pay an inker that does the inks over the top, uh, then a colorist, um, and then a letterer. Although most people, like myself, we would do the lettering ourselves, which is all the dialogue and the speech bubbles and all that stuff. Mm. So it's, it's basically a team that you're hiring, and that's that's where the expense comes in. But what I found was I was making enough money out of the music to fund that because I'd been writing for a number of years, not having any success really trying to find an agent or a publisher, uh, getting, you know, going up and down through the cycle of depression and excitement, you know, <laughs> as I would get a new idea and think, oh, they're going to love this. And then, you know, 600 rejection letters later, no, they, they don't love it at all. They, <laughs> they, just, they don't care. So as I was going through that process, I started to think, well, hang on, I never read comics when I was younger, but there were some really cool indie comics coming into the scene. And I found some and thought, wow, this is amazing. This is like one step away from film for me. So that's why I started doing it. But it was really the music that enabled that to happen. And as a side effect of that, uh, I ended up working with four or five indie musicians and singer-songwriters on their uh, albums. Uh, so just sort of small albums, but it was a really good experience then I started writing music for film and television. That was a completely different experience as well. So it's sort of like its own small business now. And, and now I also end up doing um, uh, a little bit of video production as well for um, you know, marketing my own projects as well as other people's projects like book trailers, comic trailers, those sorts of things. So let's hear more about what you're doing for the, the book trailers. How, how do you work in those? Do you make the videos, the music for them, everything? Everything, yeah, yeah. So for myself, and, and I also work with a group called uh, Inked Marketing uh, in the US, and they, they are specifically targeted towards you know Kickstarter campaigns and those sorts of things for comic projects. And typically, you'll need one or two trailers to go with that, and it might be anywhere from fifteen seconds to a minute long, depending on you know what the project is. And I love it because it's effectively a mini movie. Well, the way I do it is it's a mini movie. I'll usually start with uh, composing a soundtrack or, or, you know, a track, and then the track will dictate what scenes are going to pop up in what order and, you know, when you want to emphasise something because there's a big drum beat coming in or a big explosion or something else. So it's really like a very, very miniature version of a film where you're you're using a combination of music and sound effects, uh, even voiceover. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little ashamed to say I also do the voiceover. Rather nasally twang that you're hearing at the moment, but I also, uh, you know, I can do a fair American accent. I'm not sure where it's from. Midwest, I think I've heard. Um, okay, now we have to hear it. Yep, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you okay. opened yourself up. We have to do it. So I need some words. I need to. Um, uh, I usually read something. Let me think. What can I say? A knock on my door at 3 a.m. Anyway, that's that's a rough thing. <laughs> I, I will applaud that American accent. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. It's, there are certain words that are very hard. Anything with an R in it, um, mm -hmm. the, the Australian language I found is very quick and flattens everything out. It just squeezes the soul out of every word imaginable. So it's very easy to speak quickly, whereas I found when trying to enunciate in American, I have to slow myself down because you can't just sort of chew through the words like I do in, in uh and English I like as well. Occasionally I'll put on a bit of an English accent, but that's that's quite tricky as well because the Australian twang tends to come through. Um, but, yeah, anyway, getting back to the videos, it's, it's really a combination <laughs> of, uh, of all of those things, which is what I, I love because you're, 
you're presenting a mini movie or a trailer and you're trying to sort of get a bit of emotion through and show some graphics that look really nice and all the rest of it. That's a relatively new thing. Um, so I've still got a long way to go. And every day I'm sort of learning new techniques and things. But that's, yeah, that's super fun doing that stuff. So how much research do you do when you do a trailer? Do you read the book or just ask for a blurb from the author? Or how deep do you go? Uh, I'll, I'll usually, well, so most of them are uh, comics, which makes it very, very easy because I can usually read through an issue of a comic in 20 minutes or so. So it doesn't take long. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll read through the comic and try and in my head get a good understanding of what's the key theme, who's the protagonist, who's the villain, and what is the sort of emotional hook that this uh, project has got. And usually uh, somewhere along the line, I'll find something. Um, So I did one for a series which was kind of set at sea uh, and there was a ship and there were, it it, it really wasn't my type of thing. It had a big romance angle and it was, you know, a prince and a princess and then a, a, you know, a pauper that was a princess, but she didn't know. It was all that sort of, you know, usual sort of stuff. Again, not my thing. Uh, no demons, no dragons, no bloodshed. So, again, it wasn't really my, my deal. But I got it. I got the sense for the story and thought, okay, the, the waves, really like the idea of the waves and being at sea. So that's what I started with, just the sound of waves. And then there's a picture of the ship sort of arcing over a wave as it comes into view. So you start with that and then some nice, I had some violin um, music sort of running and then a little bit of guitar over the top and then ease into it. And then a few words spoken over the top and then you just let the imagery sort of do its thing. Uh, and then you close at the end with a nice sort of crescendo and then off you go. So, but yeah, usually I'll read and then off the, the back of that. Sometimes I won't get that. Sometimes I'll get, here's two sketches and that's it. Go for it. And that, that's, that's a bit harder because I know you can take it a million ways. And yeah, usually just work with the, the customer though and try and find a way through. Uh, we, we actually, we have the recordings of the Rust Chronicles soundtrack. So for your mm-hmm. own stuff, are you making the music and then writing the stories? Are you writing the stories and then making the music? Like, what's the order of operations here? Uh, for me, the stories will always come first because that's, you know, the ideas and the stories and characters. So I'll always start with those. And then I'll either compose an album from scratch or I'll assemble things that I've already been playing around with and then add to them. So the, the Rust Chronicles soundtrack, some of those were composed from scratch for specific stories where others I'd already written. And I thought that really suits, you know, this kind of story because it's really, it's a question of trying to pair the emotional response you get from the music with uh, what you're trying to engender in the writing. And if you mismatch those two badly uh, <laughs> it might make the the reader feel a bit queasy so um <laughs> so it's kind of a combination of, of both of those yeah so do you listen to music while you write as kind of an inspiration i do and i don't so i i there's sometimes when i need to concentrate particularly when it's a difficult scene and so so whiplash is book number one I'm already writing, I'm halfway through book number four. So the other two are already with the publisher and they're going to come out next year. So I'm already deep into the story and there are three other side novels that are already written and Rust Chronicles 1. So it's, there's already a lot that's happened, which means I'm in that inenviable spot that writers find themselves in after a while where there is so much that I need to remember about who's done what to who and with who and who has turned into what. And so if I'm having to concentrate on a lot of those things, I'll tend to write with nothing. If I'm writing a fight scene, I'll, I'll have action music, heavy guitars, you know, something 
you know, a system of a down or something like that that's really going to charge things up. If it's suspenseful, I'll add some cinematic suspense music. So, yeah, I do tend to use it for different scenes that I'm writing. The only trouble with that is it, it does, in, for me, it enhances the, the writing experience, but you've got to be judicious with how you use it because the tension scenes, for example, if I'm writing that too long, and the music's going too long, my whole body will tank up and my jaw will oh. um, So I can only do that for, you know, an hour maximum and then I have to sort of, you know, okay, that's enough now. That's um, time for some yeah. zen music. That's right. Something, something a bit more relaxing or just different. Yeah, and occasionally, though, I'll, I'll do something like I'll listen to hip-hop or something like that while I'm doing a fantasy scene in a dream world, which is very archaic and there's steampunk elements but I'll just put some hip hop on because because it's different and because it will I don't know if it does anything but it it I think it makes the writing a bit more playful and modern yeah I know it helps me I'm not sure how how much it helps the writing but it does help me you know avoid writer's block and those sorts of things um, definitely before we run out of time can we talk about the best track on the entirety <laughs> of the Chronicle <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> guys guys there is a track on here track 22 called ode to emma clearly it was written just for me it um, was <laughs> i had um tremendous foresight i must say you didn't even know i existed and you wrote me a whole song that is amazing <laughs> if someone wants to find you and listen to your music and read all your stuff and follow what is bound to be an amazing career in everything, everything. Where can they find you? Uh, Look, probably the easiest way is just to go um, morganquaid.com and there's loads of information there on on about latest projects. I'm actually going to add in today the the music side of things. I haven't added that in yet, but that's that's in there. And just by all means, get in touch if there's something you want to know or you want to find more. But yeah, everything should be there and or on, you know, Facebook or or, um, social media as well. But yeah, I I just go to the site. That's probably the easiest way. Awesome. Did you um did you want to know a little bit about Emma? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so Emma Emma only appears in the Rust Chronicles uh, short story collection, which is coming out in January. Um, She does appear later in other books, but she doesn't appear in Whiplash. And she has a very special association with a seminal figure in the whole uh, story, which is this character called the Shackled Man, who is the leader of the the rebellion. And the story goes that there is a failed rebellion that happened 40 years earlier. He was imprisoned for 40 years, and as part of his imprisonment, something happened. And uh, as a result of that, he was kind of transformed and became something other than what he, he was originally. Um, he escapes and then leads the second rebellion. But he is a tortured figure, and the only thing that gives him, or one of the only things that gives him solace, is this character called Emma. This is correct. I approve. Yeah. There you go. And the you may now publish. It. It's okay. <laughs> approved. Very good. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, so January, that's going to come out. In the meantime, go follow Morgan on everything so that you can get all the music and all the books and all the comics and and maybe even help with your book trailer. Who knows? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely.